Hey, podcast family, welcome back. I am super excited. Not because of the topic, because the topic's actually kind of sad. <laughs> but nonetheless, I'm super excited because I have one of my favorite residents. Actually, I guess I should say they're all my favorite, because then I get in trouble, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I have today, we are joined by Dr. Katie Light. Again, I know I've said it before, but it holds true here. One of our fantastic residents. And Katie, wh- what month is it today? What, what are we covering this month? Well, it's October, so it's Domestic Violence Prevention and Awareness Month. Ooh, that's a lot to say. Totally right. And I'm glad she said that because my first answer would have been, it's October, it's Halloween month. Spooky season. season. But not only that, it is Domestic Awareness Month. Super important. We're going to get to some very important information. And also, because we're taping this, where, where are we, Katie? We're at St. Joseph's, The Med, and College Station. Woohoo! Again, nothing like an impromptu podcast, but we're actually joined with some future physicians. See, this is why it's so great. Because whether you're an attending physician, you're a resident, you can bring in the next gen. And that's what we're trying to teach here is how to take care of people, how to stay evidence-based. So in the back, who do we have? We have Victoria Arismendi. All right. And? And Katie, two of our great undergrad students, again, pre-med, joining us for domestic violence. Here we go. Let's get to it. All right, Katie. So here we go. Domestic violence. Because to be honest, it's more than just, look, Katie, don't hit your husband. Right. And don't let him hit you. I mean, that, that's a big clinical pro right there. It's deeper than that. We've got to understand this because the truth is this isn't about married people, Right. This is about anybody. Mm-hmm. So as the definition goes, because as always, as you all know how we do it, we've got to start with our basic definition. So we set the framework. So domestic violence, according to governmental agencies and even the CDC, is defined as a type of interpersonal violence that someone can experience at any point in the course of their life, not just married people. So we're talking about children. We're talking about adolescents, young adults, regular adults, and sadly, even the elderly. So Katie, Dr. Light, tell me more about this. Yeah, so domestic violence includes any act of threatened, attempted, or completed violence that occurs between current or former spouses or intimate partners. Um, You could also call this intimate partner violence or IPV. Ooh, now that's a big deal because we have a lot of initials. We love initials, right? Yeah. So IPV, so intimate partner violence. This is a big move from ACOG. And so if you're taking your oral board, you've got to know about IPV because we're supposed to ask about that. Dr. Light's going to tell us about that in a little bit. Now, here's an important issue. This can also be between individuals who shares child in common. You don't have to be married. And so I think that's an important issue to keep in mind because so many times we think that this is just for married people. It's broader than that. And this is why it's so important because the truth is, as I've already said, anybody can be at risk. So like you were saying, Dr. Chapa, domestic violence can be from a person such as a parent, guardian, spouse, even a cohabitant who harms an adult or a child. Yeah where the adult or child is protected from violence and abuse under domestic violence or family laws. For example, this can be a case of child abuse, sibling abuse, even incest. You see, so when somebody asks you, tell tell me about domestic violence, automatically, I'm telling you, they're going to say, oh, that's a husband beating his wife or a wife, you know, beating her husband. Totally true. But you see how much wider this is because it even involves child abuse or incest. Now, let's spell this out very clearly here. Domestic violence may include instances of sexual assault, a big deal, of course, for women's health care. It also includes stalking, Katie. So you wouldn't, people wouldn't put that in there. But stalking is part of domestic violence. It includes physical abuse, economic or emotional abuse. Guys, that's huge. It's not just the physical blows. It's the mental blows that, that a person takes as well. 
It can also include behaviors that are intended to intimidate, manipulate, humiliate, or isolate someone. That really hurts me. I mean, I'm a dad. I got kids. Anybody does that to my kids, I'm going to have some issues, right? I mean, let's, let's be honest. So this is why it's really personal. It may also include acts of or threats against family members, friends, pets. Can you believe that? That's actually in the, in the federal government definition, Katie. I had no idea. No, pets. So that's part of domestic violence or property. Anything that's going to hurt somebody else physically, mentally, or emotionally is domestic violence. That's crazy. Now, remember this. This is something that can affect everyone, as we've already said. It's going to get a little deep here, but we got to cover this. So, Dr. Light, tell us more about this. I don't know if you knew this or not, Dr. Chapa, but ACOG actually released a committee opinion on intimate partner violence. It's number 518. In that publication, it reminds us that although women of all ages may experience IPV, it is most prevalent among women of reproductive age and contributes to gynecologic disorders, even pregnancy complications, um, stuff as such as unintended pregnancy and STIs or sexually transmitted infections, including human immunodeficiency virus or HIV. Mm-hmm. This publication also reminds us that more than one in three women, that's right, one yeah. in three in the U.S. have experienced rape, physical violence, or stalking by an intimate partner in their lifetime. All right, now we got to say that again. Y'all get that? Because that's a big clinical pro right there. If you're walking down the street, I know this is sad or what, Katie, but we've got to cover this, right? If you're walking down the street, you count three women, based on stats, that's all we're talking about, I'm not trying to judge anybody, just based on stats, one in three need some help. Guys, this is why family medicine, nurse practitioner, women's care, OBGYN, psychology, psychiatry, no matter what you do, you're going to run into this. Maybe not radiology, right? Yeah, not them. <laughs> not, not, not them. But we still love our radiologists. But the idea is keep your eyes open for this. What else, Dr. Light? Um, approximately 20% of women seeking care in family planning clinics, um, such as family medicine clinics or the ER, who have mm. a history of abuse, also experience pregnancy coercion, and 15% reported birth control sabotage, which is crazy. Wow. So basically, the take-home message from all of this is that this is a very, very broad and common issue that us as practitioners will see in our office and in our patients. Crazy numbers. Let's talk about more when we come back. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, Dr. Light, we've talked about some pretty heavy stuff, but I'm, gonna, I'm sure I'm going to shake up somebody here because I've always recognized stalking, which can affect men and women, right? No one's immune, as a whole separate issue. But here's a big clinical pearl. According to the national definition and both law enforcement and just federal regulations, domestic violence also includes stalking. And that is something that most people don't know. So we're going to have to take a look at this in much more detail because it's actually deeper than, than you think. Stalking can involve repeated unwanted phone calls meant to harass the other person, showing up to a person's house or work uninvited, or even just sitting outside the person's house. That is all form of stalking, and that's a form of domestic violence or domestic abuse. What else, Dr. Light? 
The methods used to stalk someone are less important than just realizing that it's a pattern of malicious behavior. Yeah. Let's cover stalking in pre-detail because I think it can kind of be confusing. Yeah, 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 for sure. We, we got to spell this out because somebody asked, well, wait a minute. Should we know if somebody's house uninvited? Wait, I do that to my friends. Well, that's not stalking. It's about intent. It's malicious, repetitive actions meant to really intimidate or harass somebody else. So here it is. It's very important to make this very clear. Stalking is defined as a specific pattern of behavior as we just said, that's meant to cause fear. It's a power differential. So we got to remember that. The National Institute of Justice defines stalking as a course of conduct directed at a specific person that involves repeated visual or physical proximity, non-consensual communication, either verbal, written, or implied threats, or a combination of any of those things that would cause a reasonable person to have, here's the key word, Katie, Fear. This is all about fear. Not just trying to pop up somebody's house unannounced because you care about them. This is a fear issue. And stalking usually involves the following acts, Dr. Light. So check this out. And if you're the victim of one of these, this is not normal. Repeated threatening or harassing behaviors, including phone calls by somebody who's trying to intimidate you following or shadowing a person that you look behind them, they keep being behind you without their uh, invitation. If it appears that a, a person keeps coming to your house without you inviting, again, that's a, that's a flag. Be careful of that. If they're vandalizing your property or, again, anything that is meant to entice fear or cause you fear or concern for your safety, you've got to report that. Now, there's some other issues that we have to address here because I didn't know this, Dr. Light, to be honest. So I want you to, to kind of walk us through three main types of stalking. I had to learn this. I didn't know this, but that's why we do this podcast. So three main types. Let's hear them. So the first of the three main types of stalking is erotomania. So I actually had never heard of that word nope. before this podcast. So always learning. But this is um, usually involving a person who has a delusional obsession with a public figure or someone out of the stalker's reach. That's weird, huh? Yeah, but... Okay. Um, the second type is love obsessional, and this basically involves an individual stalking someone with whom they think they are in love with. Uh, can I stop there for a minute? Mm-hmm. Can, I, can, I be, can I give you a disclosure? Yes. A little transparency. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh boy, Dr. Light's shielding her face. Now here's, look, 15, 16, you got that little crush on somebody. I remember, because I just got my license, my permit. Y'all know what I'm going to say, right? Mm-hmm. Driving by that person's house, I just wondered what they're doing. What, I may have been stalking them. By definition, but my but my intent was in fear. Come on, Doctor Light, you know what I'm talking. Young and love. All right, so I just want to be very clear. It's all about the motive. Okay, I was that guy, Doctor Light. What do you? Hey, no judgment. No judgment. All right, so back back on back to our topic. So we have erotomania, love obsessional, and what's the third type, Doctor Light? The third type is simple obsessional, which is stalking committed by someone the victim knows. All right, good stuff. So all of y'all listening may be thinking, okay, we learned all this stuff about domestic intimate violence. Um, What's the role for us as healthcare providers? How do we help these patients? Well, as a medical community, we actually play a very, very vital role in identifying women who are experiencing IPV and halting the cycle of abuse through screening, Mm. which is super important, offering ongoing support, and reviewing available prevention and referral options. Healthcare providers are often the first professionals to offer care and even, you know, figure out what is going on with these women who are being abused. Man, listen, so here's a take home, guys, as we near the end of this session, okay, super important, that women typically, typically, and based on the data, don't come up saying, hey, um, I'm here because I really need help. 
because they're seeking something else. So weird complaints that don't always match, that could be a flag. And you know what? You may be their, their only lifeline. So ask. So this is what ACOG has to say as we wrap this up about our role for looking for this as women's healthcare providers. We should screen all women. Don't care what you look like. Don't care how much money you make or you don't make. Everyone's here is vulnerable to this. We should screen all women for IPV in a private and a safe setting where the woman is alone and not with her partner or with a friend or even with a family member. Ask alone. Also, providers need to use professional language and should use professional interpreters when it's necessary. Now, at the beginning of each assessment, we should offer a framing statement to show that we do this for everybody. In other words, it's universal, and I didn't try to pick you out. I treat everybody the same, so it is a universal framing question. Also, we should incorporate screening for IPV into routine medical history. So if your EMR doesn't have it, you really need to talk to your EMR manager, right, Dr. Lighting? That's a huge deal. We've got to ask this. And pregnancy is not an exclusion, especially in pregnancy. Those women are at risk. Providers should also establish and maintain these relationships with all community resources so that we know who to refer to. Now, as we wrap this up, let's bring this home Dr. Light with some closing statements. So bottom line is we all can ensure that staff receives training about IPV and that training is regularly offered and to make sure that we screen all women who come into our office. Dr. Light, you did so well. We did. We did, right? High five, high five. (laughs) All right, guys, as always, we're always going to keep true to our mission of doing medical education to keep everyone up to date with evidence-based practice. October really is domestic awareness, domestic violence awareness month, super important. As always, thanks for being part of our podcast family, and we'll see you next time. And gig'em Aggies. Oh, there she got it in. See you next time on Clinical Pearls. (laughs) 